Hey readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Today, we are celebrating our 400th episode. Thank you so much for coming with us on this journey that started on January 12th, 2016 with episode one. Actually, it started a ways before that. I don't know. We might get into some of that today, but we're really excited to be at this milestone. Thank you so much for making it possible, for allowing us to have a podcast where we get to talk books every single week, every single Tuesday, the best day of the week. And we're just so grateful to be here. If you could help us celebrate our 400th by telling a friend about the show, that word of mouth is absolutely the best way for new readers to find What Should I Read Next? And that is really our love language as podcasters, for you to tell your friends that this is a book podcast worth listening to. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Readers, a few weeks ago, we asked you to share your questions about the show and tell us your favorite What Should I Read Next stories. We thought it would be fun to do a mailbag episode for our 400th, and you sent in so many good ones. We had such a great time as a team reading through your questions and your stories, and today I'm so excited to welcome Shannon Malone to the show. Shannon, hi. Hello. Shannon is our team co-host and contributor, and we are going to go through the mailbag today. Just picture us sitting on the floor, like with a giant, like Santa sack of goodies, and we're just going to pull <laughs> them out and see what's here. <laughs> Shannon, thanks for joining me. Are you ready to get into it? Let's do it. All right, let's get to it. So I just perused our special episode history in What Should I Read Next HQ, which is the actual name of the spreadsheet that we have been using since 2015 to track what is happening with this podcast. So I think historically, we've done some big celebrations on the anniversary around January 12th. Yes. And sometimes on these nice round numbered episodes. Mm -hmm. But what I found out was on our 100th, we did 
I mean, I say we did nothing special, but we had a great guest on, Keith Watts, who was, I think, good friends with Brenna Frederick, our longtime producer. Ah. But it wasn't like, ta-da, 100. It was a literary matchmaking episode. Mm. For our 200th and 300th, we had really fun celebratory episodes. We especially made a really big deal of our 300th episode. I'm so proud of that one. (laughs) It was so good. Okay, funny thing, though. I realized in HQ that if you want to go back and listen, it's not actually episode 300 that you're listening to. To listen to the replay of that event we did for episode 300, it's actually episode 308. Absolutely worth finding in the archives. It's called The Crowd Goes Wild for These Perennial Favorites. Yes. Shannon, do you want to say any words about a reason or two why that episode might be particularly dear to your heart? Anyone who has been around long enough knows that a song for the wild field is one of my favorites. And we got to talk to Becky Chambers that episode. And Peter Heller and Tiari Jones. And it was amazing. Yes. It was so great. <laughs> so for our 400th today, we realized in team meeting that we hadn't had a mailbag episode in forever. And we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to step back and talk about the show instead of being like in the show like we are every week. So we asked for your questions and stories. And y'all, I mean, we've got this big bag here of goodies with behind the scenes, reading tips, book projects about our processes, delightfully random stuff, and so many great stories. So you'll hear all sorts of goodness today. Yeah. So let's get started with some behind-the-scenes questions for what should I read next. Oh, we'd love behind-the-scenes. Yes, I do too. So let's go. Laurie Munn, in a book club post, asked, What goes into the decisions to help you select which submissions to feature on the show? If you don't know... The vast majority of our guests come from our submission form, which is open for anyone to fill out. It's at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash guest. And many members of our team go through those submissions every week to see which ones would be a good fit for the show right now. And Shannon, see how this sounds to you. But I'd say that we're always looking for A nice mix of readers. Yes. We like variety in all the ways, whether that's where you are in the world, your age, your profession, the genres you enjoy, the specific titles you're choosing in that genre. Sometimes we really like a submission and we'll be like, oh, this is such a good submission. But the books are three books I've recommended so much. (laughs) I (laughs) I wish the books were different or, oh, we're on a real streak of everybody saying the book that wasn't for them was this particular author. Yes. And we'd love to see something different. So, Lori, I wasn't answering that directly, but we are looking for variety, especially in the titles. Something that we haven't always asked readers, but we have the past few years is, what's an interesting topic you'd like to talk about with Anne on the show? And we often pick with that topic leading. If someone has experience um, teaching literature in prisons, for example, is one that came in this past week, Mm -hmm. or library advocacy, or... I don't know, like a backpack of books they took with them on an Icelandic vacation. Like just little things that catch our eye or sound exactly right for the season we're planning for. And Shannon, I see you nodding along. You're one of our team members (laughs) whose actual job in your job description is to review those submissions. Yes, it is. What am I missing? And what do you specifically keep an eye out for? 
Well, specifically, I'm looking at diversity in people that we're having onto the show. And (laughs) this one sounds selfish, but it served me well in the past. I just look for submissions that I want to hear about. Like if I'm, if I'm reading it and I'm like, Ooh, I want to learn more then that's one that I will say, Hey, I like this one. You say it sounds selfish, but you listen to podcasts. So, I do. <laughs> so wanting to feature stories that you want to listen to, I think is a really good indicator. Personally, yeah. I look for conversations that I want to have or conversations mm. that I know that someone in our audience will be like, oh my goodness, finally, I'm so happy this person is here to talk about this specific thing. And I'm just saying, that's it. What should I read next? Podcast.com slash guest. So Becca from Instagram wants to know, do you write the podcast like a script or do you make it up as you go along? (laughs) Uh, In some ways, it seems like that would be really nice to to read it like a script. No. Mm-hmm. To answer the question you didn't ask, Becca, I always have a conversation with the guest I'm recording with, who I've 98% of the time have never met or interacted with before. Maybe it's more like 92%. But the last thing I often say is like, I'm I'm really excited to talk with you and to have this conversation. I have only a very rough idea of where it's going to go. And where we're going to end up by the end, but I'm really excited (laughs) to be having it. So thank you for being so generous with your time and your reading life, Mm because that's a big ask of people. But we have a structure. I mean, you all know how it works. We talk about three books a guest loves, one book they don't, what they're reading lately, and we talk about what they may enjoy reading next, but we make it up as we go. Annie McCloskey, 422 from Instagram, asks, how many hours does it take to make an episode? All that staff and prep time. I laughed when I saw this one. (laughs) Really? Tell me more about that impulse. (laughs) I was like, oh, we're putting a number. This might be the last episode we ever make. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was exactly my reaction. Like, if our 400th turns out to be our last, we're going to trace it back to doing this math right here. Annie, thank you for a good question that might end our podcast. And Annie was just on the show in episode 391, Habits of a Happy Reader. Oh, my gosh. You know what we need to share is a story about Annie's dad sending her a trophy after she was on the show. Oh, wow. I didn't know about this. Oh, my gosh. So exciting. So exciting. Okay, so we did the math, and now I want to cry. I don't know. Shannon, were you surprised to see these numbers? No, I was not. Really? I thought no. it was going to be closer to 12. Okay, readers, get it. Oh, a, no. Get a, <laughs> get a number in your head right now. Just remember, I am a rose-colored glasses Pollyanna optimist. She is. Mm-hmm, who plans for the best-case scenario and has to force herself to like account for things like reality. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have one, two, three, four, five, six, six different team members who need to work on each individual episode, Mm -hmm. which is different from global planning. You know, like where do we want to go with the show in general? What themes do we want for the season? But each individual episode, six individuals, 26 to 32 hours Oh, if you couldn't understand that angst-filled voice, 26 to 32 hours an episode. And that doesn't include things like annual and seasonal planning, our team meetings, both for the podcast and for the whole team, for vetting those submissions. Like, because Shannon, you're not included 
in that. But you spend time each week vetting those No, not each week. <laughs> I'm saving you money. <laughs> I do it all in one go. <laughs> Only about once a month. <laughs> So this is a really good time to thank you all for listening and supporting our show yes. in that way and our patrons for financially supporting the show. Absolutely. The podcast that we conceived of, I mean, it's not Radio Lab. No one's under any illusions about that, but we do produce it with love and care and thoughtfulness. And one of the things that means is that it does take a lot of time. And time is expensive. <laughs> time is yes. really expensive. We cannot do this without you. So thank you so much for those ratings and reviews. They really help. For those of you who financially support our show at our regular level or our generous support level, I hope you're feeling really good right now about making all this happen each week. We truly are a listener-supported podcast and are so grateful that we can do this work every week, even if 32 hours an episode makes us want to cry. <laughs> All right. Moving on from that, shall we? Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's pretend that never <laughs> happened. <laughs> Suzanne, in an email, said, How do you keep books you read four to five plus years ago in mind? I've always wondered if Anne has read all of the books that she's recommended. I would like to know the answer to this question. Suzanne, that's such a good question because one of the problems I do really have with organization in general is if I can't see it, it does not exist. So before I sit down to record an episode with any reader, I do a visual review of just all the books that are out there in the world and on my shelves. Like I'll stroll through my library and put my eyes on all the titles I can. And I'll do that with all the bookshelves in the house. And then I'll scroll through my reading journal and my spreadsheets and my reading logs just to be reminded of the possibilities. I haven't read every book I recommend for every guest. If I did, that would really limit some of the guests that we'd be able to invite on the show because my reserves of like horror reads and sci-fi reads are not nearly as deep as they are for readers who want to talk about, say, family sagas, which I've read a thousand of. Mm -hmm. But we don't want to just have the guests reflect my reading taste. So those are two really important things. And coming up with book recommendations for people with different interests, I think that the blessing and curse for me is that I am not a, a linear thinker. I am not an analytical thinker, as you can probably tell the way that I was really surprised at that math just now. But I am very good at making connections between seemingly unrelated things. And so this podcast by, I think, unconscious design really leans into that ability. Um, it's obviously not algorithmically driven, these recommendations. I'm recommending books that feel like an intuitive fit based on sometimes really strange things and things that are hard to um, articulate and capture, like the mood, the vibe. You know, like I can't really explain why. It just feels like a title you would enjoy based on this like whisper-thin premise so have we answered Suzanne's question? <laughs> that, is, that is how we do it. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful 
and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. At a time when change is constant and we are pulled in far too many directions, we need a way to stay present to life and to increase our ability to remain calm, think clearly, and maintain our well-being. Many studies indicate mindfulness improves our mental, emotional, and physical health. On a Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee, you can learn how to practice mindfulness and enjoy its many benefits. Tune in for guided meditations and to hear tips and advice from some of the most respected experts in the fields of mental health and mindfulness. The world truly can be a better place. It all starts with a mindful moment. Let's move into the five or the 20. We had a lot of questions about the most recommended books on the podcast. And so our team did a little digging to find out what those were. And and you don't know the answer to this. I don't know do the you? answer. I don't. So there are two titles that we recommended a total of four times each. And 12 titles that were recommended a total of three times. I think you ought to be proud of this, Anne, because I really thought that there would be more titles that were recommended over and over and over again. And they're not. So let's start with the two titles that were recommended four times each. Can you take a guess? I mean, I can guess. Okay. I can guess. Let me just say, like, that is by design. Once I feel like I'm recommending a title a lot, I stop recommending it. Or it'll be the kind of thing where I'll talk with the guest after we're done recording and I'll be like, okay, Mm. I've recommended this title too much on the show to include it there. But if you haven't yet read Becky Chambers, I really think that you would enjoy exploring their body of work. That sounds like a really good fit for you. Okay. I'm going to say Station Eleven and Lonesome Dove. Nope. (laughs) And maybe Elizabeth Alexander. I will say that Lonesome Dove was one of the books that you have recommended three times. Okay. But are you ready to know what they are now? I'm ready. Home Fire by Camilla Shimsey. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And the second book is The House of the Spirits by Isabel Allende. Really? Don't tell my daughter mm-hmm. she hates that book. <laughs> She had to read it for school. Oh, it was not It was not a win on the assigned reading front. No, I never would have. You could have given me 30 titles to guess, and I wouldn't have come up with either one of those. I didn't think those either. Now, the 12 titles that you recommended three times, I would have guessed as the ones that had been recommended four times. So the Cormoran Strike series was recommended, Every Heart a Doorway, Harry's Trees, and you said Lonesome Dove. Okay. Oh, and there's The Light of the World by Elizabeth Alexander with three recommendations. Okay. Thank you, Holly, for gathering that data. I'm very surprised at what came out of my (laughs) mouth over 400 episodes. What you did say, Station Eleven, was one of the guests' favorited books. So eight people have brought Station Eleven as a favorite book to the show. That's a lot. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Everybody, when you send in your submission, don't say (laughs) Station Station 11. 11. (laughs) 
I love that um, book. And also, we told you we're looking for variety, so you know what to do. <laughs> you do. All right, let's talk a little bit about the evolution of what should I read next. We had a couple of questions along these lines. One that I was really interested in hearing from you is how has hosting the podcast changed for you over 400 episodes? And this is from Hannah, who was also on episode 187, Traveling the World Without Leaving Your Hometown. One of our alums. Hi, Hannah. I have to say, I think the biggest change happened in the first couple of years, like a big one at the six month mark and then maybe at the three month mark where I suddenly woke up and realized, wait, hang on. I've been asking myself, like, am I allowed to do this? Can I do this? Can I approach it like that? Will they let me? And one day I was uh-huh. like, wait a second. Who do I think is in charge here? <laughs> so that's a little bit embarrassing, but it was also really, really eye-opening. And the other thing that has changed is just our team. Like, our team has grown. We've gotten a lot more specialized. And I have so much more help with the logistics and the audio and like vetting submissions. Like I used to have that be entirely on me. And I think it's such a strength now that it's not just my eyes looking over things and that we have such a wonderful pool of readers to draw from for these conversations and that we have such an amazing team that we get to talk about like, what do we want for the show? What voices do we want to feature? What themes do we want to cover? Like, what do we want to do here? What do we want to make? I feel like that's such a strength. And like, there is definitely something like fun and nimble and kind of, you know, like roll up your sleeves and get stuff done woo! with having it being a very small operation. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like we're still a small team, but to have like talented readers and people that I trust and rely on to contribute to the show, I think is good for, it's good for me, but I think it's really good for the show in general and for our listeners. And Sarah Keen Williams from Instagram had a good question that I think is a good follow-up to what you just said. In what ways do you hope to see what should I read next, modern Mrs. Darcy grow in the next few years? That's a good question. And it's one I think about a lot. Like in some ways, I feel like, like I love our business and our podcast and our audience. I feel like we are big enough to be able to do what we want to do and to do it well and to serve our audience. But there's also so much flexibility that comes from having a strong base of support because growth often means income. And income means that even as we're facing uncertain, like, ad markets, like, we are able to pay for what we do to pay for our team and our equipment and everything that makes this show worth listening to from our patron support and also from our ad revenue. And ad revenue is looking pretty dicey for the foreseeable future in podcasting. And there is so much flexibility and also just confidence in our team knowing like our patrons are going to make sure that we don't have any problem like staying in the black. So that is a tension I think about. We also get a lot of encouragement from people that we partner with to do, like to start a TikTok account. We don't have a TikTok Ah. account, um, (laughs) which I think would be a lot of fun. Like that's supposed to be good for podcast growth, but that's a lot of creative energy and it's not devoted to making a podcast. So I think about that tension. We'd love to do events again. We'll get back out there. Those are good for growth. They're also a lot of work, Uh, but they're fun. (laughs) And then marketing, like marketing is not making the show. Like it's a very different kind of focus and energy, but it could be good for the show. And again, I keep using the word tension because I I think it's a healthy tension, Mm -hmm. but those are things I think about. But 
it is really great to hear from readers like finding the show did good things for my reading life. Mm-hmm. And I would like to reach readers who would be happy they did find the show so it could do good things for their reading life. Right. Because that's what the show does. I feel like it connects you to a bookish community. And we got an email from Julie and I'm going to read it here. I am a What Should I Read Next podcast completist, having found Anne's blog right around the time the podcast started. I was already an avid reader, but the blog and podcast over the years have definitely leveled up my reading hobby. Smiley face. An earlier episode about someone who took a special birthday trip with friends to different bookstores greatly influenced my own birthday celebration when I turned 40. It was the summer 2020, and like all of us, I was very much missing dear friends around the world. So for my 40th birthday, I wrote 40 different women who have influenced my life and asked for book recommendations from them. These were childhood friends, past co-workers, family members, mentors, and current friends. Some shared one book and some shared many recommendations. That list guided my reading for the next year. It was fun to read some new titles and reread some old favorites. Of course, it also gave me time to connect with dear readers and talk about books. Thanks so much for all you do. Anytime someone asks me what I'm reading, I recommend the podcast and blog. Happy 400th episode, Julie Woolery. Oh, thank you, Julie. And I think Julie is referring to our team member Donna's episode episode 83, an epic birthday bookstore road trip. That episode has inspired so many people to do their own birthday book project. I love it. That's the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you, Donna. And I propose, Anne, that you ask 400 people from this podcast to recommend a book for you. What do you think? I think, (laughs) oh my goodness, my reading list. But also, like, isn't that basically what I've done? I come away from every episode with at least one book I want to read next. And sometimes it's more like 11. And we're going to talk about that later. Can't wait. (laughs) That is actually a question. All right. So next we're going to get into, that was behind the scenes. So now we're going to talk about reading tips. So there's a question that I kind of want to know the answer to. So listeners, y'all are on point with these questions. (laughs) Roxanne Worley from Instagram wants to know, how do you decide which books to keep, gift, and donate? I have a hard time saying goodbye. And then PNW Book Geek, also from Instagram, says, how do you cultivate and cull your personal library? Ooh, these are good questions. I'm in the right mindset to answer it because I just did a big cull because the shelves were overflowing. I have a hard time saying goodbye too, but when I can't find anything, I know it's time to regroup. And that often looks like, taking, oh, so many tote bags full of books to the library and little free libraries to donate. Um, For me, I always try to find like more space, like in the guest room, in the basement to keep books. (laughs) But at a certain point, they do need to get out of the house. And Uh I think about hanging on to books that I want to have on hand, either because I want to reference them in my line of work, because I want to take a picture of them, because I want to read them again. I want to read them for the first time. When I'm thinking about what to, my mom always used the word emancipate when she was getting rid of things. What I want to set free into the world to find, hopefully, a happy home with another reader. I think about what would be difficult to replace. Like, if there's a book I've been hanging on to because I theoretically want to read it but can't foresee myself wanting or needing to read it anytime soon, I'll ask myself, 
how easily could I replace this? Like, was this hard to find? Like, is it out of print? Is it a special edition? I'll probably hang on to it. But if I could grab it at the library or my my bookstore, if worse came to worse and I had to buy it, not that I don't buy books every week, if I could replace it easily, then I am have a much easier time letting it go. Mm. Okay. Speaking of letting go, we had a few questions about... Can I say DNFing books? Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And one that I found particularly interesting is how many books do you start and not finish in a month? And then do you keep track of the books that you DNF? And this is from Janie and Lisa Marie, both on Instagram. That's a great question. It's it's a lot. And by a lot, I mean, it's probably like dozens, plural. Mm. But some of these DNFs, like books I did not finish, are probably not the kind of books that you typically think of as DNFs. Like when I'm hosting a guest on the podcast, if I haven't read their three books, I typically read the first 20 pages of every book. And even if I have read the book, if it's been a long time, I'll often read the first 20 pages just to remind myself what it feels like to read that book. So I don't abandon it at the end because it wasn't good, but because I was reading it for a very specific purpose. And I do not log books that I don't read more than 20 or so pages of. But I do start a lot of books that I don't end up finishing, especially when I'm reading books for things like the fall book preview or the summer reading guide. Mm -hmm. I'm looking to discover and I'll take a chance on a lot of things. And one of the things that lets me take that chance is knowing I don't have to see it through to the end if I feel like it's not going to be a good fit for the purposes I'm looking for right now. And sometimes just as a reader, I'll think, oh, I don't want to read that right now. Actually, I don't think I want to read that ever. And then I'll move on to the next book, even if I'm (laughs) reading it because I thought I would truly love it, not for like a job-related purpose. Mm. Okay. I, I am team DNF and have been for a very long time. Well, you got me to DNF books, so <laughs> yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you followed that up with yay and a big smile. Oh, yes, absolutely. Do I need to add like the typical caveat here about like, it is often worth it to finish books that you do not like as a reader. And some good books are hard books. And also that doesn't mean that sometimes I feel like putting that book down for now or forever is 100% the best choice for my reading life. All right. So we got some great stories from listeners about their reading tips, especially I love this one about a library tip in action from Emily. She says, Hi, Anne. Congrats on 400 episodes. I wanted to share that this summer I follow one of your tips for library holds. I put in a suggestion for purchase at my local library in Kitchener-Waterloo, Canada for MMD's summer reading guide pick, Emily Habeck's Shark Heart. The library approved my suggestion and purchased the book, and I was first on the list to get it. And I love this book. So thanks, MMD team. I have heard this tip a lot from you over the years, but this was the first time I have put in a patron request at my local library. Happy fall reading. Yay! Oh, Emily, I'm so (laughs) glad to hear that. I'm so glad you got to put that tip in action and it worked out so well for you. I feel like now's a good time to mention another backlist episode that we point readers to all the time that they say, oh my gosh, this changed my relationship with my library. And that is Carrie Sweeney. Way back in 2018, it's episode 153, Revolutioning Your Reading Life, 10 Minutes at a Time. And that 10 minutes is her daily 
library relationship management technique. I just made up that phrase. That's not how Carrie talks about it. (laughs) But I think it's still worth a listen. But that's amazing, Emily. Thank you for sharing that story. Yes. You know, anyone who follows me on Goodreads could probably see what's coming up because (laughs) when I get the draft of the fall book preview or the (laughs) summer reading guide, I immediately go and say, what are we, what are we, what are we, what are we? And then I go to my library and request them all. (laughs) I love it. Inside tip for all you listeners (laughs) out there. (laughs) Want to know what Anne's thinking about? Follow Shannon. (laughs) All right. So we're going to move to some, at the beginning of the episode, you called it delightfully random things. (laughs) And I was like, yes, that is what this is. So we have some questions that are delightfully random. I love it. M. 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 Wild from Instagram (laughs) wants to know what kind of music does Anne listen to? Ooh. I want to know if you have time to listen to music. <laughs> we, we are a pro-music household. So we've mm-hmm. got that Sonos going when we're getting ready or making dinner. I'm not always okay. in charge of the remote, though. So, like, what, oh. what do I listen to? I mean, it's a whole lot of Taylor, Gracie Abrams, hip-hop, show tunes. Um, if I'm in charge of the remote, it's probably alt-country. I love indie. My favorite work album to listen to right now, like when I'm, you know, writing and doing stuff is Second Nature by Lucius, but I'm sure that will rotate in a few months. Oh my gosh, Gregory Allen Isakov, also amazing work music, if I turn it down so I can't hear the lyrics. All right. So we're going to switch from music to ice cream. Reading and Cooking Govern wants to know, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? I don't think I know this. I'm not sure that I know this. (laughs) Um, key lime pie in the summer cinnamon in the winter let's say cookies and cream for like Mm. the rest of the year what about you Shannon oh because I know you have feelings of course ice cream is my favorite dessert I would give up every dessert on the face of the planet except ice cream it's one of the reasons I will never be vegan I was vegan growing up for years but now that I've had ice cream I will never be vegan because I need ice cream made with cow's milk <laughs> and that just sounds kind of gross when you say it out loud but anyway um i think i like salted caramel Ooh. ice cream or ice cream that has salted caramel in it uh-huh. in the summer i really did enjoy when they can get it right maggie moo's chocolate birthday cake ice cream but they've been kind of being iffy on it and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not it's so heartbreaking i know we had a really disappointing team conversation about how they were letting you down yeah Yeah. they were so yeah those those are those are my favorite if it's got salted caramel around or in it then i'm probably gonna like it i wish this was the kind of thing where we could say listeners you can express your love and appreciation for shannon's work by shipping it to her but it's (laughs) it's ice cream i know dry ice is a thing but still still it's a lot easier to send bookmarks It'll probably melt. Okay, so let's move on to more delightfully random things. And we have from L Doogie 2018. They want to know, do you ever make it appearances in Massachusetts? Not yet. I've never been to Massachusetts, but I would love to. And it wasn't that long ago that Louisville added a direct flight to Boston. And every mm. time I see that billboard, I go, hmm. Mm. 
But <laughs> I am going places in 2024. I know I'm going to have appearances in Michigan and Florida, and we might be working on some ideas behind the scenes as well. So if you want to know about all that stuff, sign up for our newsletter. That's at what should I read next podcast.com slash newsletter. We always share our like events, appearances, newsy news in that newsletter every week. Also, sometimes I come places because people invite me. So if you happen to work with an institution or a bookstore or an organization that like does book events, I'd love to go to Massachusetts. Is one of the places you're going a book festival in 2024? Uh, yes. Ah. Unusual festivals, but yes. But that takes us to our next question from Jessica, doesn't it? It does. It does. She says, book festivals sound so much fun. Do everyday readers attend or is it just for those in the industry? If so, what do you recommend? Oh, I mean, there are some like industry specific events, but like literary festivals are for readers. And I recommend going to try one. Yes. I would recommend not like getting on an airplane for your first one, but seeing what's in your region and going to check it out. And if you want to hear more about what the experience might be like, how to find them, what you can expect, how to plan your day, we did an episode after the Bookmarks Literary Festival with reader Christina McCormick. It's main feed episode 354, and it's called Book Festivals for Beginners. Definitely worth a listen. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? <laughs> you get the goofiest game in history, Queen's Podcast. Hi, I'm Nathan. And I'm Katie. And we're the hosts of Queen's Podcast. Join us while we spill the tea on women from history. We get into all kinds of stories here, like biographies of lesser-known figures. For instance, Saida Haltura, powerful pirate queen. To the stories you might already know, like Marie Antoinette or Cleopatra, but with a fun twist. Each queen is paired with a cocktail that'll totally get you in the mood to hear fun, juicy, and dramatic stories from history. Because history is so much more than just dudes on a battlefield, and we believe that the female perspective and roles are just as deserving of their time in the spotlight. Right. So come get to know these queens. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers. Kristen Kess is going to turn the tables on us and asked from Instagram, what are three books you love and one book you don't? And she was kind enough to say, if Shannon could answer this too, <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> All right. Now, I have done this before for what should Anne read next episodes. You can search our mm -hmm. archives and I answer this question and ask you all for your recommendations and you deliver and it's lots of fun. 
So Shannon, I decided to go with books that I finished just in the past month. I went with two from our fall book preview. They are Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang and Kids Run the Show, a French novel in translation by Delphine de Vigeon. Also, I just finished The Rachel Incident by Caroline O'Donohue, an Irish novel on audio, and I loved it. And I don't want to get real specific with the book I didn't <laughs> like, but I'll tell you why I picked it up. I was reading another like summer novel that mm-hmm. had all kind of like references to other books in the book world. So there's the scene at a bookstore where one reader to another recommends a little debut that's a family saga. And based on that, I was like, oh my gosh, I'll read that. And I did. And I would not have described it as a family saga. It would have been coming of age. And it dealt with mental health topics in ways that were just like a little bit like, ah, I don't know if I should be reading this right now. <laughs> and I just, it wasn't what I expected. And I didn't love the story. And somebody is probably putting those vague pieces together and thinking what it is. But, 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 but we'll talk about it over coffee, but I'm not going to title it on the air. Okay. But... When you promise me a family saga, like, I want a family saga. You do. I love coming-of-age stories, but it was not what I was expecting. And I think expecting for good reason. Just not in the right place. Okay, Shannon, let's hear yours. So my inaugural episode is 179, Life is Short, and my TBR is way too long. And in that episode, I selected books that I liked and wanted to read more of. So they were not all-time favorites. I do have a favorite shelf. So I just chose three (laughs) that are sticking out in my mind right now. So favorites include Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. I've read that twice, and it was even better the second time. So I'm like, yep, this is definitely a favorite. I've already mentioned The Psalm for the Wild Built by Mickey Chambers. (laughs) Um, That is an all-time favorite. And... The one that is really sticking in my mind is How to Keep House While Drowning by Casey Davis, because I just did an One Great Book Style bonus episode for Patreon recently. It's so good. (laughs) All right. Book I didn't. I'm actually going to name it here because I have a blog post on science fiction and fantasy, and I hint to DNFing a book there. So if you listen to this episode, you'll know what it was and you'll know why if you read the blog post. And the book is The Book That Wouldn't Burn by Mark Lawrence. Is this the part where I don't ask you follow-up questions? Oh, you can ask as many follow-up <laughs> questions as you like. <laughs> All right, tell us more. Was was it not a good fit? Was it bad timing? Um, Did you think it was horrendous? No, I did not think it was horrendous. <laughs> The blog post goes into a lot more detail about why. Um, but I basically, in the blog post, give you tips for reading sci-fi fantasy for beginners. And that is not one for beginners. And so I didn't want to struggle through it. <laughs> oh, that's very insightful. I can't wait to read this post. All right. So, you know, people are asking about Daisy and we've got a few about Daisy. How old is she? How did you get her as Kelly Lelly 3 from Instagram? And Bookish Plants just says, tell us everything there is to know about Daisy. Aw, Daisy is our family's yellow lab. We got her in late 2016 when she was tiny for a lab and looked like such a puppy. 
oh my gosh, sometimes we'll look at the old photos and be like, what a little baby. She's the sweetest. We think she's wonderful. Um, We need her to live forever, though she did get both of her rear knees, her back leg knees replaced last year. She loves to walk. She gets very excited when I get on Instagram and just talk very loudly to no one into the camera. (laughs) She always loves to come running and say hi. And um, she loves it when we read because that means that we're probably sitting down and she gets to curl up at our feet and just chill. She really likes to chill. She likes when we watch movies, when we read. She really likes to go on walks too. She loves tennis balls and peanut butter. You're making me miss my dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're welcome, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now we have more listener stories about book projects. Shannon, mm-hmm. would you share this lovely email from Courtney? Well, Courtney begins the email by saying, I am particularly susceptible to a book project. And before I continue, and what is a book project? <laughs> Okay, that's an interesting question because I feel like, doesn't everybody know? No, probably not everybody knows. A book project. I would say that this is when you as a reader, for fun, for your own nerdy purposes, because you need organization and motivation or because you just like to deep dive whatever rabbit hole strikes your fancy, Mm -hmm. embarks on an organized reading plan with a certain end in mind. Okay, Shannon, I feel like you're more of an expert than me because you did that amazing Patreon bonus episode with Hannah and Patty where you talked about your own book project and interviewed them about theirs. So how did I do? You did excellent. The thing that makes it a book project is there is an end in mind. Yes, there's an end. It ends. It starts and ends. And also there's an end in mind. That's so good. Yes, there is an end, E-N-D. So something you're going to do in the reading life with an ending. So let's continue Courtney's email. She said, in 2019, I did the Century of Books after hearing it in episode 168. At that point, I had never read 100 books in a year before. So it was an ambitious challenge and I got about 92 of them in. This year, I am reading the complete works of Shakespeare in five pages a day, a la Laura Vanderkamp in episode 359. I just finished Romeo and Juliet and am on track to finish early. I love this project so much, I get sad thinking about missing my morning cuppa with the bard next year. I'm still debating how to keep this beautiful morning routine going, picking another big book or author's works for next year, or just starting over with Shakespeare again. Also had to share that my husband thinks our journaling Zooms are the most hilarious thing he's ever heard of. (laughs) Everyone on Zoom independently reading or writing. But I just love the community and the dedicated time to devote to reading other than book projects is my favorite. Thanks a million, Courtney Lyons. And Courtney is referring to our Join Us for Journaling segments in Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. Which we're going to have after we finish recording this, Anne. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we are. So Shannon often leads those. And they're just, I mean, it's a time to go hang out with your book people. And some people catch up on their reading journals, thus the join us for journaling. Some people read. (laughs) Some people honestly actively engage in the Zoom chat the entire time. And we welcome that as well. They're a good time for Modern Mrs. Darcy Book Club. We do. We do. Okay. We have some questions now about book selection and reading for the show. And we may have hit on some of these before, but let's take a look at what we got. Heather wants to know, 
How does Anne even begin narrowing down what books to read? Be it for reading guides, just to suggest on the podcast, etc. I have a hard time, and I'm sure you're even more tapped in to new and upcoming releases. So many books, so little time. That is so true. And I think one of the things that does make it harder, like Heather, you said you had a hard time with the abundance, which it sounds like Mm -hmm. can feel overwhelming sometimes instead of just glorious, is that there are so many books and there are so many books that we are aware of as readers. Like when I was a 20-something reader, like I went to the bookstore and I went to the library and maybe once a month I got a book review like Mm -hmm. magazine in the mail, but I just didn't know about as many books as I know about now, which it's like, it's a blessing to know about so many books, but it does come with associated problems. I'm very conscious as I look at what is coming out of what purpose I might want to read particular titles Mm. for, because that really does shape what I choose. If it's for fall book preview, where we want to highlight like books that are really big in the industry this season, like that are shaping the conversation is different than a book that I want to take on a beach vacation. So just knowing what purpose I'm looking for at any given time is very helpful. And then I'm lucky to have, not just lucky, we've also like shaped this whole enterprise that if I'm reading to find books I love, then I'm reading books that I I can suggest to podcast guests and use in blog posts and um, share in our reading guides and spring book preview. And something that I think, you know, has really changed in these 400 episodes we've done is in talking to so many readers who enthusiastically recommend books that I would not have gravitated to on my own back in 2011. I have really broadened my taste and learned how to enjoy and appreciate books that would have been way out my lane back then, but that are either like firmly in it or less a deviation right now. We also keep really careful records. Like a big project we've been working on behind the scenes is moving our Google spreadsheet situation into a Notion database. And that is really helping me feel like I can thoughtfully engage with the possibilities instead of scanning a whole list of titles going, oh, I'm never going to get through these. What do I do? (laughs) (laughs) So organization is really helpful here, which I would like to repeat would not be possible without my amazing team that excels at that because I don't on my own. Um, I, I can use this database, but it would never have occurred to me to create this system that can filter and sort in all the ways it can. And I'm so grateful. It's really Bailey and Bridget on our team who've been running that project. And I'm so grateful because it helps. It helps a lot. All right. So remember when I said, oh, we're going to talk about this later. Well, later is here, listeners. (laughs) Read with Neen wants to know, how often do you end up reading one of the guests? favorites? And do you have any that you really loved? Oh, gosh. I'm going to say more often than not. Truly, there is no stronger recommendation than having a reader who's telling you about their taste. You can get a feel for what they enjoy and what they don't Mm -hmm. and think about how that aligns with your own reading life or doesn't. Um, Just talking about a book that really meant something to them. Sometimes I end up reading these like when I'm preparing for them to come on the show. Like what can happen is I'll say like, oh, this guest loves this certain title. I've been meaning to read that. Why not now? Because, you know, we all have these books we've been meaning to read for a long time. And sometimes it just takes a little nudge, like a reminder of the book's existence. And Mm -hmm. if it catches us at the right moment, like the time can be 
right then. Um, sometimes I read it afterwards because of something they like particularly said that made me think like, oh, now that'll happen. Sometimes I think, well, I didn't think that was for me, but that sounds really good. And I don't love everything, but I feel like nothing I've read because a guest recommended it hasn't been a worthwhile reading experience. But some that really stand out that I've read recently are Once There Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. I read that after a guest, not for the first time, gushed about it. The Book of Delights by Ross Gay. I have an interesting tidbit about The Book of Delights. Oh, please share. (laughs) I started that and DNF'd it. (laughs) And then I got The Book of More Delights, which is his follow-up, I guess, to it. Yeah. And I love it. I'm like, I don't understand. I think it was probably just the time, like you said, the right time and the right moment to read the book. I am so surprised that you even picked up the Book of More Delights after DNFing the Book of Delights. What happened there? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is not about me. I mean, I'm so glad it did. (laughs) But now I'm going to go back and read the Book of Delights after I finish the Book of More Delights because I'm like, maybe I'm in a different headspace and a different time in my life. So readers, yeah, that can happen. The Book of Delights is delightful, but there are also some real hard things in the Book of Delights. There are. I read the Book of Delights in one gulp, but I parceled out the Book of More Delights. I think Mm -hmm. because I read it in print instead of on audio, like I did the Book of Delights. And I really loved it in that format. Just saying. That was in our fall book preview. And The English Understand Wool by Helen DeWitt. I don't know that I would have picked that one up had a reader not enthusiastically recommended it. That's a short, weird little British novel, uh, Normal People by Sally Rooney. A guest finally nudged me to read Sally Rooney. I've read a lot of sci-fi on guest recommendations Mm -hmm. because that's an area that I knew I wanted to branch out into but didn't feel as confident choosing my own books in that genre. And that's what what the podcast is great for in building that confidence and giving you a place to start when you're exploring. Yes, that's what the community is great for, honestly, because our longtime producer, Bryn Frederick, introduced me to sci-fi and fantasy. And now I'm writing blog posts about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that happens all the time. And not just with our listeners, that happens on our team as well. It does. All right. We have the best What Should I Read Next memory to share to wrap up our 400th. And it is from Kelly Roberts. And I think I know this Kelly. So hi, Kelly. Yes, because she flew across the country to yes! meet us in person at Bookmark She Cincy. did. Mm-hmm. We love you, Kelly. Hi. We love you, Kelly. Hello. Kelly says, hi, MMD friends. I wanted to share my favorite. Well, now it is, though it was pretty terrifying in the moment. What should I read next story in honor of the 400th episode? I live in Southern California, and I used to drive to Utah every January for the Sundance Film Festival and to visit friends. I was ready to drive back home at the beginning of February 2016 after the festival ended. I delayed my departure until after the snowstorm that came in while I was there ended, but within two hours of leaving, I drove into a huge blizzard that was essentially a whiteout. I could see maybe 20 feet in front of me. I'm from New England, so I learned to drive in the snow, but without snow tires and not having done it for well over a decade, it was fairly terrifying. 
I decided that music would be too jarring while I was white knuckle driving through this storm, so I put What Should I Read Next on. I'd already listened to the first four episodes, all there was then, a couple times, and on my drive through the blizzard, I listened to those four episodes over and over again to stay focused and get through that miserable situation. Anne's voice is so calm and peaceful, and I love the book discussion so much that it was the perfect thing to have on. It saved my sanity during those terrible hours. And now I can recite Jamie Golden's episode pretty much by memory. And now I fly to Utah when I go in the winter. (laughs) Thank you, Anne. And what should I read next? Happy 400th. Oh, wow. Kelly, thank you for the well wishes. And oh, my goodness. I hate (laughs) driving in weather. Shannon, you know this about me. Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I do know this about you. (sighs) And I... I cannot imagine, but I am so humbled and honored and just grinning to to know that those four episodes got you through. Look, we made you 396 more so that you were ready for any weather situation, but I sincerely <laughs> hope that you never encounter one. Yes. What a great way to close out this episode. Oh my goodness. That was so much fun. Shannon, thank you so much for joining me for this special episode and for welcoming readers in to a wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. And readers, I hope you enjoyed listening today. Thank you again to everyone who sent in a question or shared a memory or a story. You can find links to the episodes we mentioned today and all the books over on our show notes page. As always, those are at what should I read next podcast.com. And you can follow on Instagram for regular peeks behind the scenes photos of Shannon's and my recording setup here, which is not that pretty, but maybe you want to see what it looks like. Photos and videos of Daisy running to the camera when I'm getting ready to Instagram live. That is on our show account at What Should I Read Next? And my page is Anne Vogel. That's Anne with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. And sign up for that newsletter so you know what's happening. What Should I Read Next? Podcast.com slash newsletter. And thank you to the people who make this show happen. What Should I Read Next is created by our entire team. We've talked about Will Bogle, Holly Wilkachevsky, Studio D Podcast Productions, Shannon Malone. Our social media manager is Lee Kramer. Our Patreon community manager is Sara Ader. We've talked about Bridget Misselhorn and Bailey Pendleton today who are doing that Notion database transfer. This is a team effort, and I'm so grateful that we get to do it together. Readers, that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. <laughs>